of this early church. The lesson is called The Power of Community. Notice that the word church nowhere appears in the title, and that's on purpose. That's because the English language has changed a great deal since the invention of the word church. Did you know that? For instance, if you would take a copy of Webster's Dictionary and look up the word church, you would find that the modern usage of the word church says a church is a building where meetings related to a religious institution are held. Now you may think, that that's what they think. But that's exactly what you think. Okay. This morning, when you got up, you said, I'm going to go to church. And you meant to this building. Okay? You were using the modern usage of the word church. I want you to understand that the word in the New Testament, which is not an English word, that is translated church, is not that. Two weeks ago, I worshipped in a church in Mexico. And the church in Mexico doesn't have a permanent meeting of their own place. They have a building that they rent. And the building that they rent just happens to be a theater. Now, it's not a proper and upright kind of theater. It is a theater where cross-dressers do drag queen shows. 24 hours a day for six and a half days. Half a day they take a break, and the church moves in, covers up the signs, and has church. Okay? Because the church is not a building where religious meetings are held. That church exists throughout the week even when they're not located at that place. And they certainly, most of them, don't go to the activities that are held at that building. Or if they do, they probably don't let anybody know. Let me suggest to you another word. This is the word from the English dictionary that best matches up with the word in the... Bible translated church. Not the English word as it's currently used, church. The word is community. Webster says, a community is a group of people who are united by common belief, characteristic, or interest, living together in the context of a larger society. A group of people who are united by a common interest, characteristic, or belief, living together in the greater society. The Greek word translated church in our New Testament is the word ekklesia. Uh, It's a compound word, ek, which means out of, klesia, a form of the verb kaleo, to call. It means those who are called out of to form a group of their own within the greater context of what they're called out of, that is, in the sense of the 
scriptures, the world. Community. I'm going to suggest that in the coming year, we use the word church less and the term Christian community more. Not because I'm an anti-church person. I made my living for 50 years off the church. Okay, so I'm not anti-church. I'm saying it because I want our church to better match up with what was said to the church in the New Testament, not what we've come to believe based upon Webster's current definition of the word church. <laughs> Let's stop acting like the church is a building or a religious context for life. A church is a living, growing organism. The metaphor that Paul used was he called it the body of Christ. A group of people who are united by a common belief, characteristic, or interest. Was this true of the first church? Well, let's go back to that scripture verse we read. Verse 42 of Acts chapter 2. It describes those who came to Christ. And let's stop there by saying, who comprised the first church? These 3,120 believers. They were comprised of people from various backgrounds and places who spoke a variety of languages, <coughs> who had come to know Jesus either secondhand or had firsthand walked with him along the way who were bound together by certain principles. They placed their faith in Christ's death and resurrection to save them. I have a feeling they didn't agree on everything. Their politics weren't probably all the same. Okay, Their way of dress wasn't the same. They weren't the same age, the same sex. But there were certain things that bound them together. The text says they devoted themselves. In other words, these were things that held them together, but it not only held them together because they believed them, it held them together because they were devoted by them. Devoted means committed. Stuck like glue to. They weren't going to let go. They could let go of anything, but they weren't going to let go of these. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What did this first church share in common? What held them together? Now, the interesting thing is, there wasn't necessarily a statement of faith, so it wasn't that. It wasn't a constitution, because it doesn't seem like they had that. It wasn't even one leader because they didn't even have that. So what held them together? First, the common teachings upon which the first community was founded. As they devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. The apostles' teachings. All that is meant by that are the New Testament scriptures. They were existing at a time when the church had no Bible. 
350 years yet would pass before what we would call the scriptures as we know them today were canonized. That happened as an act of the church to say, we believe that these documents were written by apostles for God's purpose, and they are broadly accepted in the church, and we believe the Holy Spirit is leading us to include them in the text of scripture, and they included them. But none of that had happened. What they had was what the apostles were teaching. What were the apostles teaching? Yeah, they were teaching what they had heard from Jesus, right? You may remember that the Great Commission had in there, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. In other words, bringing them to faith in Christ and, what's the next part? Teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. In other words, everything you heard from me, just pass it on to them. And they were. The common teaching upon which the church was founded was the New Testament scriptures that we have today, that later, and I'm so glad they were, were put in, put in written form. But how many of you noticed the scriptures won't read themselves? They won't study themselves, and they won't apply themselves. Okay? That's our part. God gives us his spoken word, his written word. God gives us the very breath of God. Then he says, what you going to do with it? I mean, that sounds like quite an honor, doesn't it, that God would say, let me give you my words. And then we, I've got a copy of that someplace on the shelf someplace. Oh, you know, i got to get back and read the Bible. How long has it been since I read Weeks, it won't, maybe months. Okay. But not this early church. They were devoted to hearing what God had to say, to the teaching of God's Word. Now, there are certainly exceptions to this rule, but you know what they would not do? They would not be in a meeting like this and be like, I gotta go to the bathroom. Oh, I gotta go get a donut. Oh, I gotta. You know why they wouldn't be doing that? Because they were devoted to it. They were going, like, if I leave, I might miss something. Let me hold it. Okay, I'm not suggesting you do that. Okay, if you gotta go to the bathroom, go to the bathroom. But I'm just saying, you can imagine the different approach because of their devotion to God's word. And. Because they were devoted to God's word, they took whatever they heard on Sunday and they took it home and put it into practice and talked about it with other believers. They didn't go home and go like, yeah, that was a great message by the pastor today, wasn't it? What did God say? They didn't do that. They thought about it. They, they shared it with other people. They said, let me show you what God showed me on Sunday. They thought about, how can I put this into practice in my life? They were devoted to the Word. Okay, okay we'll pick it up on something. I'm going to ask you for a commitment this morning. Are you willing to make expiration of the Bible, God's Word, on a personal level, which means more than just listening to it on Sunday, but listening more seriously on Sunday, and working harder to share it with others, think about it during the week, put it into practice in your life. 
the exploration of the Bible on a personal level, a primary goal for your life this year, along with and in the context of the other members of this church. If you are, say I am. I am. Okay, I'm going to hold you to that. Second, the common relationship through which the community was united. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Well, there's a word that's kind of changed meaning too. Because most people, when they say fellowship today, their mouth starts to water and they dream about donuts and coffee. Okay? Those are things that facilitate fellowship. If I'm going to eat a donut and have a cup of coffee, I'm going to sit down someplace. I might as well sit down with somebody else and talk to them. And the donut and the coffee, particularly if I'm a man, might help me open up and talk. So bring on the coffee and donuts. <laughs> but what a mistake when coffee and donuts suddenly replaced genuine fellowship. Just donuts and coffee. Just a potluck. Just a, a basketball game. Just, just a poker game. I don't know, whatever you get together and do. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. The word fellowship in Koine Greek, the language again of the New Testament, is a really curiously wonderful word. Um, the Greek language, I'll try to be really brief, but the Greek language has existed in human history in three stages. Classic Greek, the Greek of the philosophers like Plato and Socrates, very complicated language. Koine Greek, the language in which the New Testament was written, that was an invention of Alexander the Great, who decided, wouldn't it be terrific if we're going to unify the whole world under my rule, if we made everybody learn the same language, but there's no way they're going to learn classic Greek. So we simplified it. They called it Koine Greek. The word Koine means common. means any dummy can learn this. So that's why. So if you're ever impressed by my knowledge of Koine Greek, understand. Very simple. A lot like Latin. And in Koine Greek, the New Testament was written. And then today, in Greece, they have a, a further developed language called modern Fellowship is one of the strange words that has existed, koinonia, it's called, through all three stages of the language. Not many words have. But if you go all the way back to classic Greek, the idea of koinonia was the idea behind a joint checking account. A joint checking account. <coughs> you probably, your name and somebody else's name was on the heading of that checking account. And, chances are, you put in all your resources in that checking account, and they put all their resources in. Now, there's a very good chance that it was not exactly 50-50, depending on the relationship. Okay? Might have been 90-10, or 95-5, or 45-55, or 30-70, or 40-60, or 60-40. But, you put everything you had in, they put everything they had in. They were legally given the responsibility and right, just as you were, to write a check at any time up to the total of their amount and your amount that were deposited in there and withdraw at any time you wanted. Okay. That's the meaning behind the word fellowship. Sometimes we say, and people say it as a joke sometimes in marriage, everything I have is yours. <laughs> That's what it means, literally. It means all my resources are really God's resources so if you belong to God, they belong to you too. 
Now, I just heard somebody groan over that. <laughs> and the thing is, that is kind of a groaning thing when you think about the responsibility it takes to share everything I have with anybody else. Not an easy thing to do. And by the way, sometimes people will get into codependent relationships where they think they've got to give everything that anybody ever asked for them so they won't be mad at them. That's not what it's talking about. Because then you're giving what you don't have to somebody who probably doesn't really need it or doesn't need it from you. you got to be wise enough to know when it's appropriate. But the truth is, it's never a matter of, well, this is my money. Because it's not. I'm always amazed occasionally I have to set a person down and say, you know, when you ask me for money and I give you money, my budget's no different than your budget. I have my extra money budgeted to give to weight people. If I give you $20, that means I cut something out of my grocery budget. I may even have to fast today. <coughs> I'm not asking for your opinion. I'm doing that because it's Christ-like lifestyle. I'm simply saying, I hope you don't think it's because money just appears out of, oh, there's another 20. Oof, what do you know? doesn't work that way, right? So sometimes by saying no, it's only because I say no because I don't feel God's leading me to do that. Sometimes I do feel he's leading me to do that. Sometimes he's leading me to do all kinds of things. So back about two years ago, I thought, you know, nobody's going to complain. I probably, this time around, ought to buy a new car. Because, I mean, then I don't have to worry about whether my car is going to break down between here and there, and people want me to go all kinds of places. And I go out of town, I can take it when I go out of town. I should buy a new car. And God said, no, I don't want you to buy a new car. I want you to keep driving junkers. That's what he told me. Okay? Now, sometimes people come and go, Pastor, it's kind of embarrassing that our pastor drives an old junker. I got that old junker because you know what came with that old junker? Free okay. and no, and no, no car payments. Yeah, no car payments. No car payments. So... The money I would pay on a car payment, I can use to put gas in other people's cars. I can use to help other people who need help when I feel God is leading me. Right? That's fellowship. If that doesn't exist in your life, you're not enjoying fellowship. And by the way, fellowship has two parts, and they're both hard. Okay? One part is... As God leads me, I should give to everyone who's in need. The other half of fellowship is, when I have a need, I should be humble enough to ask and receive from other people who can help. You know, both of those are hard. And most of you probably have trouble with one end or the other more than the first. But the thing is, they're both part of, you're not fellowshipping if you're not doing both. If you're not giving and you're not receiving. Because the giving and the receiving is what connects you in fellowship. They devoted themselves to the fellowship. Second problem. Are you willing to make the development of relationships? By the way, that means, well actually I put it in there, of all kinds. That means people you like, people you don't like, people you feel drawn to, people you feel don't feel drawn to, people you like the way they smell, people you don't like the way they smell. Relationships of all kind, a primary goal for your life this year, along with the other members 
of this church? If so, say, I am. I am. Third, the common routines in which the community was actualized. Actualized is a fancy psychological term, which just means to take something that exists in theory and put it into action. Let it become all that it can be. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread. If you're making something spiritual out of breaking of bread, you're missing the point. He's talking about eating. How many of you have eaten today already? Yeah, me too. Awesome. How many of you plan to eat again later today? Yeah, yeah. That's one of those things. How about tomorrow? Yeah, yeah. Right now. See, that's one of those routines of life that you're going to do but are you going to do it with an awareness that everybody else is going to do it? And are you using it as a developing fellowship and inviting other people to do it with you? So I've noticed that there are some of you who are people who would never miss a potluck. They have, there's no designation of which people you are. Okay? Those are planned by the church on purpose to facilitate this very thing and some of you go like, I don't know. I'll have to sit next to this person or that, or they'll put books outside if we go outside or whatever. You need to get over yourself and realize that there's a certain level of fellowship that happens in that setting that won't happen while you're sitting here all looking in the same direction in rows. Okay? And so you need to get over yourself and fellowship. And occasionally you need to realize that a meal or sharing of any simple little procedure in life, like carpooling or stuff like that, you know, cements fellowship. I know if you, how many of you notice we have a van? How many of you notice that if the pastor drives a junker, the next level down is the van? <laughs> okay. I'm pretty sure my car is going to make it another Sunday. I don't even know whether our van's going to make it to the next Sunday. Here's the deal. We have that because there were a certain group of people who were in a stage in their life where they didn't have access to being able to drive and, we, and they needed Christ and they were ready for Christ, but the government didn't say they were ready to drive. And so we were providing that for them. The whole plan was this. We are not planning to replace that thing. Okay, no. For those of you who have been going like, I miss praying that God would give us a nice fancy van. Why would I can if that money came into my hand, I can tell you I know five hundred things I'd rather use it for. Those of you who are coming to church need to be building relationships with people so that you will have no problem on the last day of the van when it's like do you like that invitation? But that was a good one because that's how it sounds now. When it does that the last time, okay, you need to be able to say, let's just give someone to a call and see if they can pick us up on Sunday for sure. You want to call it? That would not be asking a lot if you've developed a relationship. If you've developed a relationship and they know you'd be there for them, they're not going to hesitate for a moment. In fact, you'll right. give them a chance to grow and do it. But that hasn't happened this week. And it may not happen next week. God seems to know that we're pretty soul learning this. And so he's keeping that van going. How? We're not exactly sure. You ought to see the mechanic. He sees me pulling up and he shakes his head. 
<laughs> he goes, Chiquin. That's a true thing. And then he starts giving the speech. He goes, you know that? And I go, yeah, I know all that stuff, but can you fix it so we can keep rolling? Yeah, I can keep that <laughs> If genuine fellowship is happening, there won't even be a hiccup. Problem is, it's not. You know how I know it's not? Because most of the bus people sit back there, and most of the other people sit up here. And neither the twain shall meet, or however that goes. Okay? I hope you felt your release during the offertory time. But the thing is, that needs to happen more in the coming year. In preparation for the day when the van died, and you won't even have to think twice because you know three people have offered to give you a ride when the time comes. And because you know that when you get a vehicle, you'll give other people a ride. That's fellowship. That's taking the routine of doing something simple like, I gotta get to church anyhow. I've got to eat anyhow. I have to buy clothes to wear, so what am I gonna do with them after I'm done with them, etc.? Those are all just normal routines of life, right? And then you can use them as a context for connecting to other people in the church. Are you willing to make the fellowship of this church the primary context in which you live out the values of your life this year? If so, say I am. I am. I am. Finally, the common disciplines by which the community was empowered. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and prayer. Prayer. And this doesn't just mean prayer as in, dear God, in Jesus' name, amen. It's talking about disciplines that God has given us that bring <coughs> us into powerful contact with God. In your individual personal Christian growth, you need to do that. And then you need to bring it to church as you empower and invite other people to do exactly the same. They didn't have everything they needed as a church, just like we don't have everything we need as a church. Guess who had everything they needed as a church? Guess. No, I mean it, guess. Yeah, God. God had what they needed as a church, right? Guess who has what we need as a church? God. Our job is to find the disciplines that keep us in constant and powerful connection with God as individuals and then as a fellowship so that we always have in him everything we need to do everything we're supposed to do. Recently, somebody left a lovely red truck. Was it red? It was blue. Blue. Blue truck. Thank you. I didn't see my color by just to prove it, a blue truck setting on our property. And the problem was it was becoming an issue for our snowplow guy who already charges us plenty without him having to charge more to go around this truck. But the person left it while they went to jail and then while they got stuck in a different state because they can't come down and get on it. Why do I know that a lot of you know exactly how that works? <laughs> but anyhow, so that's what was happening and he couldn't, and, we, and he, we didn't have the keys, and we didn't have the title, and we didn't have, and you ever try to call the city on something like that? Because it okay. used to be they tow it. They will not tow it now. Rock, city, rock. Well, they go like, your problem. If it was sitting on the street, 
We'll have to get it. But sitting in your parking lot, guess what? Your problem. Well, then what do we do? We can't move it legally. We can't. So we're going from every angle. I'm contacting the city. I've been on hold like for four days. Oh, yeah. Right? You know how that works? Right? And, and um, somebody else was trying something else, and Dave was trying to get in contact with family members of the person who owned the truck, see if we could get the keys and that, see if we could work it that way. And we were thinking maybe we could like drive it out to the street and only run the street, then call the city. Right. <laughs> we were trying to be creative and all that stuff. And in the meantime, one day we're, I'm driving in at, I think it's 5 o'clock in the morning, you know, I'm driving into the parking lot and I'm going, it's gone. It's gone. And so I'm going like, well, how about that? Figured it was Dave or Russ or somebody figured out. Nobody knows what happened. At least nobody's admitting they know what happened. All right? And we're not asking. But something happened to it. We needed to get rid of it. And God got rid of it. We needed to be responsible on our end. And we were. We were trying every thing we knew what to do. But ultimately, probably none of the things we were trying were going to work. God just did it. <laughs> so I will say this and take credit for this. I was really praying about it. And I think some other people were too. And I think prayer did it. They devoted themselves to prayer. Why is that not our first response? <laughs> Why, when we have our membership meeting this year, and we, we call it membership celebration, and we go like, hey, we feel like God's leading us to do this, this, and this, but it's going to cost this, this, and this, and it looks like at our current level of income, we only have this, this, and this much money, so maybe we should just match the two. Or maybe we should, I don't know, what do you think? Pray about it. Pray, yes. <laughs> maybe we should do our part. Be responsible givers, order our budget, and manage our money as effectively as we possibly can for the glory of God. And pray, knowing that even if we do all of that, it's probably not going to be enough to do everything God wants us to do. We better pray. And it isn't just prayer. We better seek God's will through his word. We better be giving first if we expect God to give back into us. Because that's one of the things people immediately think like, well, maybe if I cut back on my tithe, then I can have more to do this for God. And God's saying like, hey, you're acting like I'm broke. You're broke, I'm not broke, says God. Fourth affirmation. Are you willing to take critical steps of faith? That's, that's what praying and expecting God to do beyond what we are able takes faith. Critical steps of faith in your walk with God, along with the other members of this church in the coming year. If so, say I am. I am. If indeed you are, and some of you have said it pretty enthusiastically, what can you expect? That's what I'd be asking. The answer is found in the same text, by the way. What did the first church experience as a result of these devotions? First, yeah, but specific blessings. They observe move, God move with signs and wonders. Now that's something only God can do. Is that not true? Yeah. 
Something, things that only could be God that just causes us to stand in awe. We can't make God do them. We can't leverage God to do them. But we can position ourselves so that when God does them, He does them in our lives. How awesome would that be? Everyone, says of the first church, was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Now, you have mystical things in mind, but I have more practical things in mind, but they'll be nonetheless miraculous. Like, for instance, how miraculous do you think it is that that stupid van keeps rolling down the road? Do you understand that the entire bottom of it is absolutely rusted out? Sure. That there's <laughs> nothing holding <laughs> the frame to the wheels? You're waiting to encourage drivers. Besides God and, and Ryan, whoever's driving. <laughs> oh, we just lost three drivers. Right, thanks, thanks, Paul. <laughs> I think if they're smart, you know that. Thing is, if you can't go over the road, if the next person that goes over railroad tracks fast, they're going to be like seeing their a frame of the van sitting on the on the ground because that's what the condition it's in. How could it possibly yeah. my car would never keep going in that condition. But it does. Only God. And I'd like to see more of those kind of miracles. And only God can decide where and when. So imagine. Real faith gives way to imagination. Here's my imagination. Imagine going to church with the belief every Sunday that God will move in miraculous ways as his people gather. Not the, well, I suppose I better get out of bed and go to church. <laughs> the pastor's going to give me a call on Monday and see where I'm at or ask next Sunday. No, but I better get out of bed and go to church because I don't want to miss what God's going to do. <laughs> They shared their resources with one another. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. That was the general practice. Imagine giving generously to your church so that the needs of the poor are met and the spread of the gospel is funded in complete trust in his promise to provide in your life. We think you're in a social security. Pardon? We could get rid of Social Security. What about Social Security? I lost you. I'm sorry. We could get rid of it because the church would be fine. We could. Okay. Yes, that's that's probably true. Ultimately, I'll expect that to happen in heaven. But right now, in the context of our fellowship, needs would be met. But the truth is, it would take a revolutionary way of thinking about giving that we previously talked about in order to produce this kind of content. Third, they looked forward with great anticipation to worshiping together. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts, not, oh no, it's Sunday, better go to church. Imagine enthusiastic worship services where God moves in fullness and his word is taught in a life-changing way. Fourth, they rejoiced in the blessed privilege experiencing life together. That's the other word. They broke bread together with glad 
and sincere hearts. Imagine a network of friends with which you can share the joys of life and turn to for help when you need a ride or when you're struggling. Because you know, by the way, when they're struggling, they can turn to you. And, and here's the deal. If you're a basket case, they can. Okay? If you're wasting all of your money on frivolous things, they can't. If you don't take care of your car, then you can't. That's where it starts. Surfaced upon eight toes. They impacted the world with the irresistible force of their testimony. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, the Lord added daily to their number those who were being saved. Imagine meeting new friends every Sunday who have first put their trust in Christ over the past week every time you come to church. I'm pretty excited about that part. We'll call it the Calvary community. Get where I'm going? Here's my dream. I dream of a church or community held together by the simple things that powerfully bound the first church fellowship together. I dream of a community or church that fully and freely enjoys the powerful evidence of God's presence moving in there. I'm starting the new year imagining a Calvary community. And I invite you to join along with me, whether you're a member or not. And by the way, we're having a membership luncheon right afterwards for those who haven't yet taken a step. Become a believing member, which means simply the only entrance into this fellowship is personal faith in the work of Christ on the cross for your sins to save you and make you a citizen of heaven. We all got in the same way. If you haven't taken that step, don't leave without taking that step because that's how you become a member of this church. Not by living up to some religious standard or acting or memorizing stuff or whatever, but simply by putting your trust in Christ and in the cross. Second, by becoming a giving member. And giving does mean money, but it does not even begin to just mean money. It means your time, your effort, your energy, your personality, your gifts, your talents, your interests, your relationships, everything you are. A serving member. Finding some place you can contribute. If you've not done it before, well, of course you don't know what you can do well. We don't either. Try it. If you don't like it this week, quit next week. But don't quit till you find something else to try. A growing member. Yes, you enter the body of Christ by faith in the word of the cross. But that's not where God intends to leave you. He wants you to grow and become more like his son, Jesus Christ. At the end of next year, my prayer is that you'll be able to say, I'm more like Christ today than I was a year ago. Growth. And an inviting member. Yes, you should be inviting people to trust Christ, but also invite them to come to church with you. It met your needs. Can they be that different? We invite you to join 
2020 Calvary community. Let's pray. Father, we're rejoicing today that you have called us to be a family and that before your presence and in the name of your son, we have made certain commitments today. We are asking that you will take those commitments and use them to bind us today together and make us one body in your son. In Jesus' name, amen.